up, that you will be glorified. We thank you for this time. We ask that you use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are nearing the end of our journey with the Ephesian church that we've been on for the last few months. The, the hope has been that we would learn from and avoid the mistakes of the Ephesian church who ended up receiving a letter from the Lord himself as recorded in the revelation given to John. And in that letter, he rebuked them for forgetting their first love, him. Over the next three weeks, we'll be looking at a few things in letters that John wrote, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And while these letters were not specifically addressed to the church in Ephesus, where, where John served after Timothy, uh, the church in Ephesus would likely have been very familiar with these topics, as John probably spoke about it when he, when he was there. After that, we will be returning to that letter that started it all, the, the let, where, that started the series, the letter that Jesus uh, had John send to the church in Ephesus. Now, here are scripture readings for today, which include a passage spoken by Jesus as recorded in Matthew. The first one comes from 1 John 3, verses 4 to 10. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And then from Matthew chapter 7, and it starts off talking about false prophets. Verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. World War II was filled with terrible things from the slaughter of millions and, 
and dictators and death of all kinds and pretty much the worst that humans can do to humans. Not surprisingly, there were photographers who took pictures of all that ugliness and carnage. During that time of ugliness and war, there were also some kinds of, some times of kindness and sweetness and goodness. And some of these moments were also caught by those photographers. Images of people being liberated, of people sharing with each other, of individuals going above and beyond, images of allied soldiers celebrating even in the midst of their hardship, those were captured by those photographers. One photo I saw the other day really captured my attend, atten, attention. Excuse me. In the photo, a famous leader was smiling. Well, he, more like he was beaming as he embraced a smiling, happy six-year-old Jewish girl named Rosa who referred to the man as uncle, even though he wasn't. In Rosa's letters, um, she wrote and she often voiced her affection for the man she called uncle. For example, one letter uh, includes a reference about some Christmas socks she had made for him and how pleased she was to hear that he, he liked them. In the photo, it is clear that Rosa likes the man as she kind of snuggles into his side. Another photo of Rosa and her uncle shows them both practically giggling with affection as she's kind of helping him tie his tie. Amongst the uh, gruesome photos from that period, these two photos are just by appearance quite sweet, showing this world leader smiling as a happy, cute little Jewish girl, which was, you know, wasn't the way most Jews were treated in, in Nazi Germany. So I have a question. Based on the verses from Matthew about good trees and bad trees, and the things I just told you about those photos and the affection of that little Jewish girl towards her famous pretend uncle, what kind of tree was that man? For what it's worth, that man was actually Adolf Hitler. And while the fruit looked really good in that photo... Rosa was eventually banished when one of his lieutenants reminded him of his laws about uh, racial purity. In the end, the true nature of that tree was revealed. Bad trees bear bad fruit, and good trees bear good fruit. But bad trees can produce fruit that looks really good but it isn't. If you've ever tasted an ornamental orange or eaten poisonous berries as a child because they just look so good, you, you'll, you'll readily, <laughs> the ones who are snickering probably did. So you, you'll understand that there's bad fruit. Sometimes visuals simply aren't enough. And sometimes time is the only thing that will tell us the true nature of the tree. That said, bad trees produce bad fruit. It is simply what they do. Good trees, however, bear good fruit. We get this. But what does it mean if there is a piece of bad fruit on a tree that we thought was good 
For instance, a shriveled peach or a wormy apple or a fungus-covered pear. Does that make it a bad tree? We also understand the analogy that sinning would be considered bad fruit. And keep in mind that all of us sin. Verse 1-8 at the beginning of this letter we're looking at says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Keep in mind also that John was writing this letter to Christians who he affectionately referred to as his little children. And he told them why he was writing, which includes him saying, but if someone does sin, Christians sin. So here's the question. What happens when a Christian, a good tree, sins, bears bad fruit? Does it mean they are a bad tree? I mean, if you sin, that is bad fruit. And what produces bad fruit but bad trees? John also says the following about those who sin. Verse 2-4 says, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Verse 3-6 says, No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Verse 5-18 says, We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. And there are more like this. Well, we all sin. A whole bunch. And if you count those selfish thoughts or the times when we are not putting God first or not acting in love... That's a lot of sinning. That's a lot of bad fruit. Does does all this mean that anyone who sins, bears bad fruit, is a bad tree? Is not really a Christian? The answer, of course, is emphatically no. That is not what it means. But before I go on, let me make one point crystal clear. In no way, shape, or form am I downplaying the seriousness or badness of sin. The Son of God himself had to die to deal with sin. That's how bad it is. Sin is bad. We should not do it. There are consequences to sin. There are no excuses for sin. It is evil. But that is not the point that John is addressing. I recently had to... um, have a black walnut tree cut down. Some of you know this. A few years ago, this tree was a prolific producer of fruit. But something happened to it, and it certainly wasn't bearing any good fruit anymore, and it died. And there was nothing that could be done for the tree, so it was cut down. A good tree can also sometimes, due to disease or bugs, produce bad or defective fruit, or even stop bearing fruit for a while, and still be very much alive. Does that make that a bad tree? Should it be cut down? Well, it depends. If the tree is not healed or fixed, it will end up like my walnut tree and die and will be cut down and cut up or burned. But if the disease is dealt with, and the tree is healed, it will go back to producing good fruit. This is 
also the case with Christians. And that's obviously the point that I'm making. All of us produce bad fruit once in a while. What matters is whether the disease of sinful fruit production is dealt with or not. If not, the outcome is bad. If it is, the outcome is good. And it really is that simple. For the record, John also makes something else clear when he says in verse uh, 219 that they, and he's talking about people who were thought to be good trees. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. If someone truly does fall away and continues to bear bad fruit, then they were never a good tree in the first place, regardless of appearance. Remember, visuals are not enough. And while what I just said can lead into a long-winded theological conversation about once saved, always saved, that also isn't what John is addressing. He is pointing out a basic truth. And verse 3-9 really captures the point. It says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. John was very aware that even good trees, real Christians, can bear bad fruit and sin. Good trees, however, while they might for a time bear bad fruit, they will stop. We have, you've heard me speak about our sinful condition multiple times. The scriptures are very clear that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The scriptures say there is none righteous, not one. You've heard me emphasize that due to our sin, we are separated from God and subject to just condemnation in hell. That is a given. That is in the scriptures throughout. Prior to our relationship with Jesus, we were bad trees. And there was a price to be paid for that. Hopefully you are also aware that, and and hopefully you've, you've entirely embraced the reality that Christ paid that price for us. And if we confess our sins and believe on him, we are completely forgiven and saved. But we sinned this morning. Does that not make us a bad tree again? Now? No. The one who makes trees can actually change what kind of tree you are. And it involves being reborn, born again as a new tree. That is really the issue. Not your sin, but what kind of tree are you now? Have you been born again? Has the old tree that you were been done away with, and are you now the new tree that Christ has made you? I know more than a few Christians and brothers and sisters who have taken this issue of post-born-again sin so to heart that they truly question if they are even saved. I also know some who are so focused on their post-born-again sin that they have ended up 
reverting to ignoring the gospel of grace and reverting to a gospel of works and have found themselves on a never-ending, increasingly inclining treadmill in an ongoing effort to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect out of fear if they are not perfect, which, by the way, they never will be this side of eternity, they will never be a good tree and they won't get into heaven. Have, Have you known anyone like that? Are you like that? I've also known people that do not take sin or the fruit of one's life seriously. I can remember a phrase I learned when I was at Baylor University, a Southern Baptist University. It was Sunday morning Christian. Maybe you've heard of it. On Saturday, they would party and sin away. And then on Sunday, they would walk the aisle and confess their sins again. And all was good until the next weekend. It was rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And they had no desire to change. Or there are others who many have been influenced by perhaps the Catholic Church and the emphasis on confession with the priest who've ended up with this goofball thinking that you can do anything you want. It's like permission to do whatever you want and then go ask for forgiveness from the priest and all is good. I mean, if you've ever seen one of those mafia movies with the folks going to confession, you get the idea. They they don't need to go to confession. These people need to quit killing people and repent and determine to not kill anyone anymore and then go to confession. These ideas of Sunday morning Christian and mafia Christian really are are incredibly sad. And, And also it reveals what kind of tree they are. And that, those are bad trees. A key point John makes is found, for example, in the verses that I've already read, but unfortunately the the concept sometimes gets lost due to the seriousness of this issue. It's the idea of practicing sin or ongoing sin or keeping on sinning, which is translated differently in different versions, but all contain the idea of ongoing unrepentant sin. Sin is a huge issue. It's bad. Christians should not do it. There are consequences. I've already made that point. The the real problem, though, which John is addressing, is ongoing, willfully disobeying the Lord. Ongoing sin. Christians, good trees, might sin, might bear bad fruit. In fact, will sin. But a good tree will not continue to do so. If they do, they either are a bad tree or they are a seemingly good tree that, if it is not healed, is going to die and end up on the burn pile. Again, we need to keep in mind that John was saying all of this, all of this this book, to good trees, to Christians. He is making it clear that if a person is a Christian, a good tree, they will desire to obey Christ's commandments and will not, will not keep on doing what they know is sin. He also reminds them repeatedly that if they sin, they should stop it and repent and turn and they will be forgiven and they will once again bear good fruit. For people looking on 
Sometimes time is the only thing that will tell what kind of tree someone is. But, and, and this is important, the heart of the individual will tell them now, regardless of what the fruit looks like to others. It knows, the heart of the individual knows, if the good-looking fruit is a show. It knows if it is producing fake fruit. The heart of the person knows if it is trying to earn its salvation because it does not believe what Jesus did was enough. A heart knows if you want to serve the Lord or if you want to continue sinning. It knows if you have been born again. The individual knows the answers to these questions, even if others don't. And if a person is deliberately and willfully disobeying God's commandments, their heart knows that. And in the end, it will be revealed. The last thing that I want to do in this message is to make a good tree think it is a bad tree. Trust me, that's not what I want to do. And I am confident that what John's goal or point was was not to do that either. His point is that when we good trees do fall sick and bear rotten apples, which we will, we have an advocate with the Father, and we have forgiveness in Christ Jesus. And we don't have to freak out that the one bad apple ruins the whole tree unless it leads to more bad apples and more bad apples until the whole tree goes bad. We who belong to Christ, who have been called by his grace, who have received his grace, who have confessed our sins, who have received forgiveness of our sins, who have been born again, and adopted as children of God, and will inherit the very kingdom of God, do not need to fear every time we blow it and wonder if we are saved. That form of legalistic fear is a prison you have been freed of. And it's a prison that too many brothers and sisters find themselves in. But And, and here John is clear. If you are practicing a sin, willfully continuing to sin, that's a different issue. In that case, you need to make a choice. If you are sick, turn to the one who can heal you. Decide if you're going to change and obey the Lord. Or are you going to keep going your own way until the whole tree dies proving that you were never a good tree in the first place. The big picture is this. If you are a, fol- a follower of Christ, if you are a Christian, you will bear good fruit. And you will desire to bear good fruit. And you will not want to bear bad fruit. But you will. And when you do bear bad fruit, when you do sin, you will repent of it and confess it 
and move forward. If you are a Christian, you will live like it, and that's how you will live. However, if you are choosing to practice your sin and are not willing to repent and stop it and turn away and obey the Lord, be very concerned. You are either a tree that is dying on its way to the burn pile, or you were never a good tree in the first place, and you need to be saved and reborn. Finally, it, it is not by mistake that very early on in this letter, John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Or that he says, if someone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Or at the end he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. That, that's the parenthesis around the whole thing. Sin and sinning are bad and incredibly serious. Don't ever, ever kid yourself or let your brother or sister convince you otherwise. But also, never forget that the one who died for us is our advocate. And he knows us. And he has made us a good tree when we were born again. And he has forgiven us if we repent and believe and we will experience eternal life because of his righteousness, not ours. We were lost in our sin. Christ has come and paid for our sin. And if we believe in him, we will be forgiven of our sin and be born again, made a good tree and kept in the palm of his hand forever. But we will fail. We will make mistakes. Stop. Turn. Repent. Seek forgiveness and walk in the light again. If you're continuing to sin, stop. Get help. The consequences are dire. If you're not born again, if you have not really believed on Jesus, do so today. But for us, most of us in this fellowship, if you have been born again, then live like it and be the tree that you are and abide in him forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that your grace and mercy and love has extended to us that you have saved us, redeemed us, caused us to be born again, and given us, given us life eternal in you. Forgive us when we sin, which we do. Identify those areas that we're holding on to that we need to submit to you. Help us to turn to you. In the name of Jesus, amen.